Welcome to Trillo Talk. This is Julia Frianich Klaproth. I'm here today with Joan Affleck, and I'm very happy to be talking to her about the importance of training programs for medical writers. I've been training medical writers for over 20 years. Trilogy hired its first novice medical writer in 2003. And since then, we've taught both new and experienced writers the trade of medical writing. And this is a topic that I think is essential for the medical writing community and the industry as a whole to be talking and thinking about, which is why I wanted to bring it onto the podcast. Um, but before we dive into the idea, Joan, why don't you introduce yourself? Thanks, Julia. Love to. My name is Joan Affleck. I'm head of the medical writing department at Merck. I joined the company six years ago uh, to start a medical writing department for the company. And the department has grown from an N of one, me, to about 200 people now. And as part of that growth, it became clear to me that I would need to build from the bottom up Mm -hmm. and begin training medical writers. Yeah, 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 that was very similar to the the realization that we encountered as we as we began to hire people initially. um, We've we've grown from that, that first person we hired in 2003 now to about 80 people. And. Uh, you know, in the beginning, you have one or two people and they just kind of work alongside you. And that was already uh, a form of an apprenticeship. But as the group got bigger and bigger, we needed clear structure in place to say, how are we going to make sure that everybody we bring on board is is really learning what they need to know? So actually, I'd, I'd like to just step back for a moment and maybe throw out there why is this an important topic? Why why do we think we need to be talking about this and getting everybody thinking about it? So there are a couple of things that come to mind for me, Julia. One is that, as all of us know, there just aren't enough medical writers. So yeah, absolutely, you know how, do, how even though there's tens of thousands of them, right? We know there's there's not a few. No, correct. Yeah, but we still need more. The other thing is that um, the way one becomes a medical writer is not by, you know, going to a graduate school program and studying in a classroom and getting a degree. It's great to have some academic background, but you really have to practice the craft of medical writing. You've got to have hands-on activity. And so... That's why it's essential that people are working in the field and learning as they go. Right. And I think that's why this idea is so important, because certainly for the last 20 to 30 years, the way most people learned how to be a medical writer was the sink or swim method. Right. I I mean, I don't know about you, but that was definitely how I learned. I, I got hired straight out of my Ph.D. I was given a computer and an office the ICH guidelines and said, kind of go write a CSR. And, you know, there was, I just kind of had to make it up as I go along. They gave me some examples that I could look at some of them better than others probably, but that was it. You know, there wasn't actually a a training program at all. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so we, you know, of course we want to set people up for success, right? We want them to have a positive experience of working in medical writing. And again, that's why it's so important to put that, that framework around it. Um, we've used two essential things to help build our framework. And they're things that are available to anyone who's interested in creating an apprentice uh, program. One is the Drug Information Association's Medical Writer Competency Model. And that can help people shape what level of medical writer needs to learn what skills and right. what the expectations are. So that's yeah. been really helpful to us. We've adapted it for our own company needs. And then we partnered that up with the educational outline that the American Medical Writers Association has. And that has given us some form to what mm -hmm. we've developed as a year-long program of intensive training with practice uh, before we kind of launch people into a semi-independent project. Yeah. Okay. So... So tell me a little bit more about that program then. So you hire people from scratch mm -hmm. and, and maybe w walk me through what that looks like. Yeah. So just the hiring process is really interesting <laughs> because, you know, as many of us have experienced, you want to break into medical writing, but it seems like all of the job adverts are requiring yes. some experience. Well, then how can you get the experience if you can't get in there and get it? Uh, so we decided we would take the risk, and actually, it's not that much of a risk, um, to <laughs> hire people without any experience. And in our initial foray, we opened three positions. We had over 200 applicants <laughs> for those three positions. Uh, right. So there is this wealth of wonderful candidates out there, people who are <laughs> clamoring to learn to be medical writers. Uh, we brought which them is, in. Which is a positive thing, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, we're not starving for potential out no. there. No, no. Yeah. There's, there's, there are riches. And yeah. so, again, anyone who wants to do this, you know, you can do it. You can be successful with this kind of a program. So we brought in our first three uh, candidates. We call them a cohort. And they. How long ago? How long ago was that? Uh, about 18 months ago now. Yeah. OK, OK. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had sort of module learning about different aspects of medical writing since they didn't have any experience. We wanted them to get sort of the holistic view of everything that goes into it. So mm -hmm. they spent time with our safety group doing some narrative writing and they would learn. But then they they also got to practice, mm -hmm. you know, doing the work themselves. Um, they spent time with our informed consent team different kind of writing, different audience. Again, they learned and they practiced. And they they rotated through several different groups in our department so that they could get a feel for what it's like to be writing this kind of document, writing that document, doing some quality control, all those kinds of things mm. before they launched into writing for a therapeutic area, for example. I see, okay. So we do something fairly similar. Uh, we, we start our writers out on simpler tasks, working alongside or under the wing is probably a better way of describing it, uh, an experienced writer. And they will do things like narratives, um, filling in the methodology 
part of a CSR, maybe doing something very simple in the results section of a CSR, like the demographics, or or even just filling in tables. It's interesting how something as mundane as that, for somebody who knows nothing about how these documents are structured and where the all the information comes from, just having them fill in some tables means they have to go in and see the TFLs, they have to learn which pieces you pull out, pay attention to footnotes and all kinds of things like that. So we we also have them doing very simple things like that for about the first six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. And only after that do they start to do more complex pieces of writing, always mm -hmm. under the guidance. So they, they're never responsible for a document. We don't believe in the sink or swim concept for training people at all. And that means there's always somebody there who's looking at what they're doing, first telling them what they should do with that piece that they've been asked to write. Then they go and write it. Then the, that lead will look at it, give them guidance and tell them what they should do differently, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a very um, guided process all the way through. We do the same kind of thing when they start working on, you know, real documents. And I like the way you talked about you know, having kind of a stepwise approach so that they, they get appropriate assignments, nothing that's going to be overwhelming. And we've found that we actually take a look at our portfolio and say, what are documents that are coming up that would be appropriate for our cohort folks? Yeah. And, you know, we kind of reserve those experiences for them so yeah. that they they aren't feeling like, overwhelmed by the complexity of a document. I, I think that's essential. It has to be part of the planning concept because otherwise you're going to end up throwing people onto documents that they just don't know how to handle and everybody will come out burnt, right? So right. We, we definitely, as part of our resourcing um, process, we do the same thing. We say, oh, we've got, you know, these these five narrative projects coming up or we have an IB update. IB updates are another good place to get mm -hmm. people sort of introduced to the different types of documents that are feeding into the IB, right? Yes. Um, and and we we earmark them for our the new the new group. We we call you call yours a cohort. We call ours the class, the class of 2020 or something. And we also usually hire about five new writers a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and we try to have them go through the process as a group because we want to build this sense of team and camaraderie you know that they're learning together they can also ask each other questions and maybe yes. they feel less intimidated by asking another associate as opposed to someone else you know who's very experienced so yeah and i imagine just like our different cohorts also kind of team up with each other and give yeah. advice and guidance I, I imagine your classes do the same so over yeah. time there's we're building this fabric of connectedness, you know, amongst the writers. Exactly, which will become the future teams, right? right. They are going to be the new leads at some point, and they will all know each other and understand what different people can do and that type of thing. Absolutely. So what do you think is going well with the program since you've got, got you have about a year and a half of experience behind you now? Right. Um, so many of the things that you've already mentioned, really, the camaraderie, um, opportunities for learning, but also for teaching so that the more mature, more experienced medical writers can add this 
component into their own work life balance of of being able to convey information to the new the new folks right. um, and that's satisfying for them they they feel like they are taking an active part in building the future and it's right. we're building a future not only for our team at Merck but we're building a future for medical writing all the way around um, because we want to have people representing our profession who are knowledgeable and skilled and, and you know, really bring a presence to their teams, bring uh, knowledge and, uh, and be able to give advice about documentation. That lifts the entire profession up uh, Absolutely. to a different level. I completely agree with you. And and actually, you know, to kind of circle back to the beginning, it's another reason I feel so strongly about this and 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 want to bring this idea out. And I hope that more groups will begin to build in formal training programs because really one of the things I've been shocked about um, as we try to hire experienced medical writers is how many of them are not able to pass tests. So we get people regularly who apply for a position. They have sometimes 10, 15 years of experience doing regulatory writing, and they are not able to pass the tests that we give them. And the tests we do are not complex. Um, and for me, that's a statement about the overall level of many medical writers who who are out there working the craft. And I think that having many medical writers out there working at a level that you might consider to be subpar is bad for the morale. It's It diminishes the value of medical writers in the industry as a whole. You know, if, if you go into a team and they're kind of a burnt child and they've worked with medical writers in the past who really didn't do much more than make sure the commas were in the right place and didn't contribute to the messaging of the document, didn't contribute to pulling the team together and driving the process, you know, all of the things that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are in the competency model and are the things that we right. believe in, or even even at the level of just understanding how to use lean medical writing appropriately, yes. mm-hmm. right? Um, it's one of the things we test for when we test writers coming, applying at Trilogy. And if you have people working below those expectations, they're pulling down the reputation of, of what medical writing can and should be. Exactly. Yeah. And so so we, we we have a responsibility to do it not only for our own groups, but for the profession as a whole, for industry as a whole. And, I completely agree with you. So we can see what the benefits are. Where do you think the challenges are? If people were considering setting up programs, what are the points that they need, might need to be thinking, oh, you know, these are the areas we need to pay attention to? Yeah, that's it's a good point. One of the things um, I think that can be a little frustrating for some of the new starts is that the process goes a little bit slowly. You know, it takes time. Yes. To learn the regulatory requirements, to understand the science of, you know, your particular product, um, to learn the tools and and to be ready to to do things independently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, people can feel a little impatient, I would guess. Um, and, and we have to help them 
you know, have an engaging educational experience, practice experience, and be ready to also find, you know, smaller things that they can actually do and succeed at to encourage them along the way while they're mm-hmm. waiting, you know, to get their hands on that first CSR or whatever. Whatever it is. I, I absolutely agree with you. We have exactly the same problem. And I think it's it's part of the positive in that the people we bring in are ambitious and eager and engaged, right? They're right. they're really enthusiastic about this yep. and they want to dive in and they want to progress. But unfortunately, it's the you don't know what you don't know conundrum. And and we frequently have exactly the same kind of situation and conversations where I say to them, because they 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 often don't have enough to do to keep themselves really busy. Uh-huh. And I say, actually enjoy it. Because in another 12 months, you're going to be just as busy as that, you know, the rest of the people around here. So, um, but what what we do is we have um, like little exercises, bite-sized exercises. So Mm -hmm. if someone, if one of our associates is, has filled in all the narratives and there's nothing else to do, they can just go and grab one of those. It's kind of like a help yourself um, type yeah. situation and they can grab an exercise, do it, and then somebody will review it for them afterwards, one of the one of senior management. So we, we've tried to create things that they can do in those gaps. Another thing we we recommend them is if you if you haven't if you've done all the exercises or whatever, ask leads if they have a comment resolution meeting coming up and just go and sit in on the meeting and watch, watch and learn, see how they run those meetings, see the types of questions they ask their teams and how they steer the conversation. Because I think that's an essential part of really learning the craft because it's not just about writing. A huge part of it is knowing how to handle your teams and knowing how to tease the ideas out of their heads, particularly if they're disagreeing with each other. You know, how do you (laughs) How do you get to the point that you ultimately want to say in the document? And and so we we urge people to find leads to to shadow during meetings. That's a great idea. And I think it would be worthwhile to attend lots of different kinds of meetings, kickoffs meetings, yeah. you know, reviewer orientation meetings, um, <laughs> et cetera. Um, yeah. So you, you, they can watch skilled people. Uh, do the project management, do the negotiating, um, lead without maybe having all the authority. <laughs> exactly. I I had uh, a writer once, she'd been working with us for about, I think it was just over a year. And then one day she had said, you know, I don't have anything to do. And I had a big uh, a comment resolution meeting for a dossier that I was working on. And I said, well, just come and sit in the room and listen to me. And at the end of the meeting, she turned around and said, I had no idea you could talk to a team like that. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> not only can you, you should. That's yeah, you our must. <laughs> yes. We're not just here to have them tell us what to do because that kind of defeats the point. We're here to help them know where to go, make advice, make suggestions, you know, be really proactively involved in, in what's going on. And it, she said to me, you know, that was such an eye opener, just seeing how you engaged with the team. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I think that's a, a really important part of the training that they see wherever I mean, any kind of meeting they can participate in. I can imagine, Julia, that for some organizations, having 
junior people who aren't sort of productive um, could be a challenge. Mm -hmm. And I personally see it as as being such a great investment, though, because as as we've been saying, it it bolsters the morale of everyone on the team because it's a message that we're invested in people. We're invested in continual development. Mm -hmm. And 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 also, as we said, it I think and you've been doing this longer than I have. I'd love to know, do you find that it encourages retention? in, in your department. It absolutely does. I mean, th- it's a bit of a double-edged sword because nobody stays at their first job, right? right. You, it, you hire, we hire people straight out of college. Are they going to stay at the same place for the next 20 years? Highly unlikely. Yeah. You want to progress. You want to have the feeling like you've seen different things, right? The grass is always greener. But we know for a fact because people tell us that they stay with Trilogy longer because they really appreciate what they get, the investment that we put into helping them progress, making sure that they have some place to go and that they're always learning. You know, we, we, we have this strong internal program, but we also send all our writers every year to either EMWA or AMWA, the European or the American Medical Writers Associations, And it's not just a lucky one or two who get to go, which is the case in many, many companies. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and our writers know that and they appreciate it. So it absolutely has a direct impact on retention. Yeah, that's interesting. I I take the same approach. I want as many people as possible going to AMWA or AMWA every year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing is, that's the community. And by being a part of the medical writing community, you're keeping your finger on the pulse of what's going on. It's it's not mm-hmm. a static world that we live in. Things are constantly changing. Interpretation of regulations, new regulations, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're not out there talking to other medical writers, hearing how they're handling these new challenges and what different groups are doing, then you're not staying at the at the forefront of, mm-hmm. of the industry. So Yeah. And and that's part and parcel of the educational models we're talking about. Um, it's a cultural education as well as practical craft-wise education. I agree. So hopefully the future is one where many more companies embrace the idea that yes, there's an investment without question. I mean, you, you hire these people and even sometimes experienced people. And it's not just the the novice ones. There are experienced people who come in and they need some guidance. They might not be as productive as they could be if we train them. But that in the long run, what we're building is a community of real professionals, professionals who are widely recognized and respected. Mm-hmm. And this whole conundrum of, you know, do we bring the the clout to the table will just go away because it will it'll be the same as you know you have to have a statistician you have to have a well-trained medical writer to make this this project work right yeah I agree with you and so it's really important that we have things like this podcast um we have sessions at conferences 
yes. where we talk about apprenticeship programs and mm-hmm. how they can be built. Um, and we have the people themselves speaking about what they've gained from such yeah. a program. Yeah, that's a really good point. Okay, well, let this be a call to the industry to go out and get some more medical writing training programs set up at your companies. Absolutely. Thank you, Julia. Thank you, Joan. It was great talking to you today. So thank you for listening to Trilla Talk today. If you enjoyed it, please come back and listen to us again. We try to bring out a new episode roughly every month. And if you have feedback on this or any of our sessions, We would love to hear it. If you have ideas for future topics that you would like us to cover, if you want to debate with us about anything in particular, let us know. This is hopefully going to be a conversation with the community at large. And you can send us comments on our Twitter feed or our LinkedIn page. Just as a reminder, you can find all of our episodes of the Trilla Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TrilogyWriting.com backslash Trillotalk, and it's now on Spotify. 